If it's your first time with us, we hope you feel very welcome here at Christ Central, and we're glad that you've uh, joined us this morning to worship God. Um, We're in a bit of a transition period as far as our sermons go, our sermon series for the month of May. So we wrapped up Matthew in April. Uh, The first week of June, we'll be starting to look at uh, highlighting some psalms as we go through the summer months, so I hope you're looking forward to that. So since we're in that transition period in May, Joe gave me the green light to just freestyle, and so uh, whenever I have that liberty, I usually find myself in an attribute of God, and so that's what we're going to do this morning, and this morning we're going to look at the power of God. So if you want to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to look at uh, starting in verse 15, and it's a a portion of Scripture that I've been uh, reading over a lot lately. And so we're going to read from 15 to 21, uh, but we'll focus in on verse 19 once we've uh, seen the broader picture of what Paul's saying. That's not the verse, but you can read that verse. The purpose of that verse is as we look at the power of God, hopefully that will prevent us from boxing it in too much and narrowing it, uh, because Job says, Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways, and how small a whisper do we hear of him. Okay, So keep that on the forefront as we go through and look at the power of God and the way that God displays his power, uh, realizing that these are just the outskirts of his ways. We'll just be this morning paddling along the shore of the ocean of his power. Okay, So, Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15, says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which God has called you, What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And here's our verse. And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. Amen. Okay, so, few things impress us like power. We, generally speaking, love power in all forms. Uh, So we tune into the news to see footage of hurricanes and tornadoes because there's something as terrible as it is that moves inside us when you see a tractor trailer spinning through the air like a matchbox car, right? We praise... People for the power they have, uh, praise people for the power they have in their rule over nations, in the power they have in business. We praise people for their physical power. Last week I saw Gary in a video lift like 900 pounds over his head. That's a roundabout figure. And it was, it was impressive. We also love building powerful things. Everything from the Big Ivan, which is a 
H-bomb that the Soviet Union made, and it was like 1.4% times the power of the sun, okay? And it just like could clear out anything in a 40-mile radius. Powerful. IBM made a supercomputer that can process 1 million billion calculations a second. Very powerful, right? And the engines that drive big container ships are over 110,000 horsepower, which, now that my 95 Civic is dead, is now the most powerful engine in the world. <laughs> Sad news. And you laugh at it. <clears throat> but as impressive as hurricanes and supercomputers and hydrogen bombs and Gary lifting steel over his head are, all those things are just shadows contingent on the great power of God Almighty. And if those things impact us, how much more should we be impacted when we gaze at the great power of God? So, let's just take a minute and pray for eyes to see God for who He is and for His great power. God, we just thank You for how great You are. We thank You for this morning when we could just exalt Your name, exalt Your power and Your might, and uh, just your, your strength with which You overcome. And we just want to see You for who You are, Father. And so we just pray that You give us eyes to see You, hearts to understand, and uh, Help us not to box you in, but to realize that your power is beyond anything that we can understand. But we just want to see a glimpse of it this morning and exalt you all the more. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so, 58 times from Genesis to Revelation, God is referred to as Almighty. It's one of his favorite names for himself. In Exodus 6, God tells Moses that before he revealed his name to his people, he revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob only as God Almighty. So when we refer to God as Almighty, or we talk about God's power, it's important to realize that we aren't just saying that he's powerful, but that he's all-powerful, okay? <clears throat> and so we often refer to this as God's Omnipotence, omni meaning all, and potence meaning power, all-powerful. So in Scripture, we don't just see that God is mighty, but that He's almighty. He's not just powerful, He's all-powerful. Uh, and David says in Psalm 62 that power belongs to Him. He owns it. It's His. Okay? And so in the verse that we read this morning in, in verse Ephesians 1.19, Paul talks of the immeasurable greatness of his power. And in a time when we love to measure things and we have scales and, and rulers and gauges to measure everything, we, we know the power of an atomic bomb. We know the power that's released when a star explodes. God's greatness and his power is immeasurable. Okay? So it's set off, it's set apart <clears throat> from the power that we see on earth. It cannot be measured. And Jesus says in Matthew 19 that with God all things are possible. So his power is so vast that it cannot be measured. There's no limits on it. It cannot be checked or restrained in any way. 
and he is able to do all that his holy will desires. And we add that all his holy will desires because there are some things God cannot do. The Bible tells us that he cannot lie, he cannot be tempted by sin, uh, and he cannot deny himself. And because he can't do those things, it doesn't take away his title as Almighty. It's because he can't do those things that he has the title of Almighty. Anyways, I hope you see that. Because the only thing that God cannot do is not be perfect. His only inability is to be imperfect. Okay? And that's why he's God Almighty. So, before we move on to see how God displays his power in a few different ways, uh, it's important to see just how important God's uh, omnipotence or God being almighty is to who he is. And the way I at least see how things are important is I see what they would be like if we took them out, okay? Like a great philosopher said, you don't know what it's like till it's gone or however that song goes, (laughs) right? So, if God is infinitely powerful or if we take out his infinite power, If he's no longer infinitely powerful, then he is no longer infinitely happy. Okay? So, we are miserable when we can't do things that we want to do. Right? But God can do everything that he wants to do, and so he is infinitely happy. Nothing can hinder his happiness because nothing can resist his power. Okay? So, because God is infinitely powerful, he is infinitely happy. If God is not all-powerful, then He is susceptible to change, right? We make plans, we try to execute those plans, but things get in the way and we have to change our plans. Nothing gets in God's way that He has to change His plans. It's God's infinite power that enables Him to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God is not all-powerful, His mercy is just weak pity, feeling bad for us, but unable to provide any relief. His justice is like the justice of a scarecrow, offering warnings, but unable to execute any punishment or justice. And his promises would just be empty words. He could make promises, but not have the power to fulfill them. So God's almightiness is essential, and that's why David declares, Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength, and we will sing and praise your power. In Psalm 21. Be exalted in your strength. So God's almightiness, His his omnipotence, is essential to who God is and all His other attributes. Okay? So, Let's look at some ways that God displays that power to us. And we've got three ways. He displays His power in creation. He displays His power in His government. And He displays His power in His redemption of us. And then we'll look at some practical things as well about understanding God's power. So last night, we were doing our, our little... Bible time before bed, 
And I asked the kids how powerful God was, and Nathaniel said that he's God Almighty, and it's just those moments when you're a parent, when your son answers right, and you're like, yes, you know. But then Aaliyah, bless her heart, I asked her, if God was powerful, then, then what could he do? If he's all-powerful, what could he do? And she said that if God is so powerful, he could probably pick up all her toys and hold them in the air so that she could have more space to run around. So the ultimate display of God's power for a four-year-old is that he has the power to clean her room, <clears throat> which is fitting. Sadly, that's not one of my points this morning. <clears throat> but if you want to turn to Psalm 33, we'll look at the first one, which is the display of God's power in His creation. Psalm 33, verse 6. David says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth all their host. He gathers the water of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. So Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So before Genesis 1, there was nothing. It wasn't God in empty space. It was just God. And then He spoke by the word of His power, and it was God and the universe. Okay? You need to see that. First off, foremost he didn't do anything he didn't he didn't need anyone's help he didn't need any existing material to form it was just him no empty space space didn't exist yet and he spoke by the word of his power and there was the universe okay that's the power of god's creation his creating ability it's the very first thing that we know about god in the bible Genesis 1.1, the first verse in the Bible, the only thing we know there about God and His character is that He is very, very powerful. We learn more about Him, thankfully, as the Bible goes on, but the very first thing we learn is that He has immense power, because it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, okay? And God not only creates the world and the universe, but He sustains it as well. Hebrews 1.3 says He upholds the universe by the word of His power. In Colossians, Paul tells us that in Him all things hold together. <clears throat> so He just didn't take His great power and form this universe and then sit on the couch and watch it all unfold, but He is actively each day, each moment, each second holding the universe together by His power. And if He should remove His hand, it would fly off into chaos. <clears throat> Isaiah 40:26 says, "Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out, the, out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing, which would be impactful in ancient Israel, but today, with the science and how we've looked deep into space and know that there are just billions and billions of stars in billions and billions of galaxies. How impactful is that today that God has a name for each one and it's His power that keeps them on their course so that not one is missing. 
He created the universe by His power and He sustains it by His power. And the Bible tells us that that is meant to do two things. Romans 1.20 says, For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and His divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Which means everyone who has walked or will walk on this earth has sufficient evidence of God's existence by the created things around them. By God's creating power, they have sufficient evidence that He is there, that He exists. And second, in Jeremiah, it shows us that His his power in creation elevates Him above all other gods. Jeremiah says, Thus you shall say to them, The gods who did not make the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is He who made the earth by His power. So God's great power to create is meant to point us to Himself and to elevate Him above all other competition. His creation is meant to be a source of our praise to Him for His great power and a catalyst to raise our faith in Him. So just being out for a walk this afternoon and looking at all that God has created or even just looking around this room, it should lift us to say with Jeremiah, Ah, Lord God, it is You who have made the heavens and the earth by Your great power and by Your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for You. So do you see what Jeremiah did there? He observed creation. He praised God for His great power. And then he used that to build his faith. Okay? We'll get more in that later. But just wanted to point that out. Okay? So he observes creation. He praises God for His great power. And then he brings it down to himself. Says, nothing is too hard for you. And boom, his faith is lifted in what God can do, not only in creation, but in his own life. The second way that God displays His power is through His government or His rule, His authority over this earth. So God has amazing power to create and He has amazing power to rule over His creation and He does so without exception. So we look to presidents and prime ministers and kings and queens as people who have a lot of power in this world. History books are full of people like Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, who ruled vast empires when they're at the height of their rule. But the Bible makes it very clear where their power comes from and who is ultimately ruling in power over the world. So if you want to look at John 19, there's an interesting conversation that happens when Jesus is on trial before Pilate. In John 19, um, starting in verse 10. So Pilate said to him, Will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? So Jesus is on trial before Pilate, and Pilate tries to kind of intimidate him a bit with how much power and how much authority he has. Don't you know the power I have? I could release you or I could kill you. And Jesus just, just... Wraps it all up. Verse 11, he says, 
you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. And it's just, immediately it just puts an end on that conversation, right? So Pilate tries to intimidate him, and Jesus just kind of reminded him of who was in power, uh, actually. Romans 13, Paul says, There is no authority except from God, and those that have exist have been instituted by God. The prophet Daniel praises the God who changes times and seasons and sets up kings and removes kings. And King Solomon, a king himself, in Proverbs 21.1, said the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord and he turns it wherever he wills. So the display of God's power and his government and his rule over his creation oftentimes doesn't sit well very much with us, if we're being honest. And you may even, something may even stir inside you when you hear that the king's heart is like water in God's hand and he moves it wherever he wills. Many people are fine to talk about God's power in creation, but the display of his power and his rule over his creation can sometimes be a different story. Charles Spurgeon said, Men will allow God to be everywhere except on His throne. They will allow Him to be in His workshop to fashion worlds and make stars. But when God ascends His throne, His creatures then gnash their teeth. For God on His throne is not the God they love, but it is God upon His throne whom we trust. So may we be a people who love God ruling on his throne and who humble themselves and trust in God who rules with absolute power. In Daniel 4.35 says, He who does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? So God's absolute power and his rule over this world includes all kings and rulers and it also includes all the works of the devil. So we see in the book of Job, God's power restraining and ruling over the work of the devil, that although he prowls around like a roaring lion, he doesn't devour everyone, nor does he do all that he wills to do. His power is checked and limited under the limitless power of God. It's not even a fair fight. It's not two equally opposing forces of good and evil. Okay? That's not Christianity. That's Star Wars. Okay? The time we're living in isn't some epic battle between the forces of good and evil, between the armies of God and the armies of the devil. It's more like in the movies when the guy gets shot in the chest but his finger is still on the trigger and he fires a few rounds while he falls to his death. Okay? Do you see that? It's not a big war. The war's been won, but the devil's hand is still on the trigger, and he gets off a few rounds as he falls to his death. It's an infinitely lopsided fight because of God's infinite power. The third way God displays His power is in 
our redemption. So we can take great heart in the fact that God rules with absolute power over this world and over all the works of the devil, but the most precious to us, the most precious display of God's power is the display of his power for us in our redemption. Greater than all the displays of his power in creating the world we live in is the marvelous display of his power in redeeming it. In many ways, it's easier to create a world from nothing than to repair and purify a broken and polluted one. And all through God's plan for our redemption, his power is on full display. And the only way our redemption happens is if it's carried out by one who has infinite power. And it is carried out by someone who has infinite power. So his power is seen in Jesus' birth. When Mary was approached by the angel and, she, and he told her that she was going to conceive and have a child and she said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And his response is, with God, for nothing will be impossible with God. So he's, he's brought by the power of God to this earth. Only God's infinite power can join humanity and deity into one in the incarnation. His power is seen in Jesus' life when he healed the eyes of the blind and calmed the sea and raised Lazarus to life from dead and lived a perfect, sinless life. It says in Acts 10 that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. His power is seen in Jesus' resurrection. In the verse we read in Ephesians 1.19, it says the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Only God's infinite power could bring about the impossible idea of God becoming man, of Jesus being born of a virgin, Only God's infinite power could provide Jesus with a sinless life so that he could take our sins and die in our place. Only God's infinite power could pump life back into Jesus' body in the tomb and then triumph over all the works of the devil. God has acted in his infinite power to accomplish our salvation and this is something that he alone can do. When it looked like Jesus was at his weakest, dying on the cross, God's infinite power was lifting the weight of sin off of us. And once He redeems us, as our verse says in Ephesians 1.19, He continues to work that immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe. And so it's His infinite power that grants us all that we need for life and godliness. 2 Peter 1.3 it's His infinite power that guards us and preserves our faith. 1 Peter 1.5 One day, His infinite power will resurrect us. 1 Corinthians 6.14 And His infinite power will transform our bodies to be like Jesus' glorious body. Ephesians 3.21 <clears throat> Only God's infinite power can accomplish this. He beautifully displays His power in forgiving our sins and giving us hearts to know and worship Him. 
And so what comfort we find when we look at our salvation and we realize that not only is it not our doing that saves us, but it is the doing of an almighty God, infinite in power, no restraints, no checks, can accomplish all that His holy will desires. It is accomplished by a God who spoke billions and billions of galaxies into existence. It is accomplished by a God who has the power to set up kings and restrain the work of the devil and keep this world from falling into, into chaos. Our salvation is secured by an almighty God. So God has infinite power in creation. He has infinite power in His rule over creation. And He has infinite power in His redeeming of His creation and saving a people for Himself. And so, as I pointed out at the first, important to remember that those things are just the outskirts of His ways. They are just a whisper to us of God's great power. And if He were to thunder in His power, who could understand? if he were to thunder in his power we couldn't handle it it would blow our mind that's my translation of who can understand okay so it's great to study theology and I love studying the attributes of God and to understand more of who God is but if we don't let it sink down from our head down into our heart If we don't let what we know about God shape how we live, then it's all pointless. We can read theology books and study doctrines, but if the wire running from our head to our heart is disconnected, then it's just pointless. If that happens, you could fill your head with all the doctrines of God and you would just be a very smart, dead person. Okay? So, we're going to look at four practical implications of really grasping the greatness of the power of God. And I worded these so hopefully that they stick with us in our head and it was fun to do that. And I felt like a real preacher. <clears throat> so, so four practical imp- implications of really grasping the greatness of the power of God is that it weakens our temptation, it strengthens our trust, it raises our prayers, and it deepens our worship. Okay? So it weakens our temptation, and it strengthens our trust, and it raises our prayers, and deepens our worship. So, understanding the power of God weakens our temptations. Temptation to to sin comes with the promise of pleasure without any consequences. It promises our good without any bad things happening. It comes with the promise of a consequence-free life. And in those situations where we're tempted, we need wisdom. And the Bible tells us, how do we get wisdom? It says in Proverbs, wisdom comes from the fear of the Lord. We don't have time to explain all of what is wrapped up in the fear of the Lord, but in Luke 12, Jesus connects the fear of the Lord with the power of God. Okay? 
So temptation comes. We need wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? The fear of the Lord. What's connected with the fear of the Lord? Understanding the greatness of the power of God. Okay? So when temptation to sins comes, no matter where you are, no matter what the temptation might be, you grasp hold of the almighty power of God and cut the temptation's legs out from underneath it. You can rest on the fact that by His infinite power, He does not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. The second thing it does is it strengthens our trust. Understanding God's power, His infinite power working through His infinite goodness and wisdom means that He is absolutely trustworthy all the time. It goes back to where I said God if he's not infinitely powerful, then he is susceptible to change, right? If God was changing all the time and if he was just flip-flopping back and forth, how could we ever trust him with anything? He might make a plan that Jesus returns and redeems his people, but then something might get in the way and frustrate that and he'd have to think up a new plan and how would we ever know, right? Do you see that? So, God's infinite power means that he is infinitely trustworthy all the time in every situation, in every stage of life. What He has promised, He will accomplish. He is able to accomplish all that He purposes and plans. Some things may be impossible with man, but all things are possible with God. And so, because of His great power, we can trust Him with our job when word comes of layoffs. Because of His great power, we can trust Him with our life when the diagnosis comes from the doctor. Because of His great power, we can trust Him with our family when we feel a call to pack up and move to plant a church. Because of His great power, we can trust Him with our finances on gift day. Okay? God is all-powerful and He can accomplish everything and He can execute all that He promises in His Word as far as your care and your provision Even on gift day, he is still all-powerful. Okay? There's my gift day plug for you. In fact, what we give of our money, not just on gift day, is an indication of our trust and belief in the power of God. Because he's promised in his word. And so if we believe what he's promised and believe that he is all-powerful to carry out those promises, then we will give accordingly to what we believe. The third thing God's infinite power does for us when we grasp hold of it and understand just how great it is, is it raises our prayers. Because God is able to accomplish all that He pleases on heaven and earth, then it lifts our prayers and we're able to pray big prayers because He is uh, more than able to accomplish all that we may think or or ask, or even think. We're not crying out to and asking a weak God who would love to help us, but is just too feeble to do anything. We are looking to a God who is infinite in in power. So when we pray for our co-worker's salvation, or we pray for our our uncle's sickness, or or we pray for a new building for our church to worship in, 
We're not praying to a weak God who isn't able to accomplish those things. He is able. And the last thing it does is that it deepens our worship and our praise of Him. Reflecting on God's infinite power weakens any temptations that may arise, strengthens our trust in what He has promised, and raises our faith so that we can pray big God, big prayers to a big God who can accomplish anything. And from all that, how can we then not worship and admire and adore and praise the Almighty God? So reflecting on God's great power should bring you to a place where you are seriously joyful in worship. You are seriously joyful in your worship of this Almighty God. Stephen Charnock wrote, We admire those princes that have vast empires, numerous armies, that have a power to conquer their enemies and preserve their own people in peace. How much more ground have we to pay a mighty reverence to God who without trouble and weariness made and manages this vast empire of the world by a word. So do you see how grasping hold of how great and almighty God is, how it changes, how it changes us? And we haven't even talked about God's great power working in us. Which, which we heard in prayer in, in our worship this morning and in Gary's word. It's by His power of His Spirit working in us that we can accomplish those things. And that just takes all those four things that we just talked about and amplifies them 10,000 times because His Spirit is working inside us. It's not just something out here that we can study and know and grab hold of. It's actually working inside us to accomplish those things. So allow these truths of God, of His power, to get deep inside of you because it changes everything. It's why I enjoy... It's why I enjoy speaking on the attributes of God so much. Because if I can, by the truth of His Word and the power of His Spirit, lift the telescope up to your eye so that the God who was once far off and small and distant is seen for who he is, which is great and glorious in power and might with wisdom that cannot be confused in power that cannot be checked, steadfast in love and great in grace. It changes who you are. When your view of God is small and weak and very much human, it's very easy to live a certain way and not give very much attention to Him at all. When you walk in the shadow of a big, glorious God, you don't ignore Him. You can't ignore Him. So if you picture yourself, this is my my picture for you. If you picture yourself walking at night through the city, if your view of God is like the small, distant star, you give no notice to Him. The star could collapse and die, and it would have no bearing on your life. You wouldn't even notice, and it would probably be even drowned drowned out by all the city lights, and you wouldn't even know it was there. If your view of God is as the great sun in the sky, you live each day underneath it. You feel its warmth. It lights your path. 
It's always there. You do not ignore the sun. You can't even look up at it without it burning your eyes. God is no small, insignificant star. He is the sun at the center of your solar system. Don't ignore Him. See Him for who He is. God Almighty, great in power. And may we be a church that worships and prays and trusts God and resists temptation in a way that shows this world that our God is great and abundant in power. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You are so mighty. We thank You that Your power cannot be checked. It cannot be restrained. It has no limits. It does what it wants according to Your holy will. And it powers Your infinite goodness and Your infinite wisdom. And we just praise You, Father, that this, as Paul said in Ephesians, that You work that immeasurable greatness of Your power toward us who believe. We just pray, Father, that we would have a great understanding of how great You are in power and protect us, Father, from that just staying in our head, uh, but let it sink down in our heart and change the way that we uh, look at temptation, change the way that we trust in You in all things, change the way that we pray to You. We just pray, Father, we don't want to have any small weak prayers. We want to have big prayers because we pray to a big God who is able to accomplish all that uh, we might ask or think. And we want to have seriously joyful worship uh, to you, Father, for you are a great and powerful God. We just pray, Father, that you would show us who you are and uh, fill us with the power of your spirit uh, to, to live for you. We thank you and we pray this in the name of your son. Amen.